Welcome to Creative Twist. I'm Sally Vanderpump and I'm going to be talking to people who've rediscovered their creativity after a break or taken a twist in their career paths and tried something new. Coming back to creativity made my life better. Let's find out how it changed my guest lives too. Tindara Sadoti McNary is an artist and educator based in Margate. Born in London to parents who moved to the UK from Sicily in 1968, she's been fascinated by art and film since childhood. She makes video art and films exploring issues such as body image and menopause. She's an associate artist with community arts organisation Osborne and Watt, which is currently touring the country with the Arts Council funded show This Is What The Menopause Looks Like. She's a socialist, feminist and a fat activist who loves cats, spurs and hip-hop. We talk about all sorts in this episode, from being inspired by her family and her dad's love of Italian film, the challenges of teaching during the pandemic, mental health and the power of art to create a community. Hi, Tindara. It's so nice to see you today. Thank you for joining nice me. Nice to see you too. So we've known each other for quite a long time, haven't we? But we have, um, yeah. you ha- are an artist and a filmmaker, and I'm really excited to be able to say that about you because I've also known you as a teacher and um, you had another career before that as well. Would you like to tell me about your your creative twists? Yeah, so I did study art at university and um, started out, uh, you know, doing internships in galleries and museums. I worked at the Tate, I worked at the V&A, um, I worked at a studio gallery called the Cubit Gallery. Those were sort of short-lived, you know, how these things are, and I was just finding it very competitive in that kind of world. I was thinking about being maybe a curator um, but all the time, you know, I still really wanted to do my own artwork. It was kind of buried deep, you know. <laughs> I'd had a kind of tough time at art college. And like a lot of people, actually, kind of discussing it with other artists, you know. Um, they, you sort of feel like you have, some people feel like you have to sort of get over art college almost. Because <laughs> it can be quite traumatic, you know, especially if you go straight from school, um, you know, the like they're trying to build you up you know as an artist but it can be quite difficult for people I have heard that quite a lot actually that people feel like they've almost been broken down and I I know that that can be or used to be similar with drama schools sometimes that they they almost destroy you and (laughs) you kind of uh, it it shouldn't be like that I don't think I think I mean I'm 50 so when I went to art school it was quite a long time ago and I, I I would hope that it was slightly different now but um, at the time, I was having mental health difficulties that I didn't really disclose, so that kind of helped. Um, and, yeah, so it was a tough time, and it kind of felt... I mean, I loved it. when I, I was at the Tate Gallery for about 18 months, and I loved it there. I got in with a really nice group of people, curators, registrars, people like that. But it was such a competitive environment to kind of stay in that when I got the opportunity to get a job in um, engineering and architecture as what's called a document controller, I kind of jumped at it because, you know, I wanted to do all the things everyone else does, like, you know, maybe buy a place to live and, you know, have fun in London. You know, I was in my 20s and 30s. And so I, I did that for quite a long time. And it was quite an interesting job because you kind of deal with, um, a lot of the design issues, like the architects and engineers, you, you're sort of basically you're sorting out their plans and maps and stuff like that. So everyone's working to the same, you know, latest design and stuff. But obviously it can also be dull and it's very methodical. And, you know, for years I was just like headphones on, off I go, you know, not worrying about it. And it was a fairly well paid job, you know, and you kind of get stuck in that rut. And then after a while, I did an MA in visual culture. I, I ended up working for a planning department at the CTRL, which is the, the fast track link that was built from King's Cross. So before the Eurostar was at King's Cross, you know, that all the sort of fast track rail links. And I ended up working with the planning department when they were doing redoing King's Cross Station. So it was really interesting, you know, dealing with English heritage and 
you know, one of the things that I sort of was part of was when they were all choosing the colour for the for the big station, like the colour for the ironwork, and it was kind of light blue. I don't know if you know, it's kind of light blue. I don't know if you remember. And I remember saying, oh, light blue, that's not going to work. you know. <laughs> and then they put it in and it was fantastic. So I have had a part in kind of lots of things that I'm sort of proud of, but were perfunctory jobs I was just doing really to earn a wage and have a nice time and all that. So my boss, the, the planning manager for that project, was very supportive of my creative stuff. I talked to him about things I was doing. Um, and when I said to him, actually, I want to do an MA in visual culture, which was uh, a theoretical rather than practical, but it still kind of plunged me back into that world. You know, he was very, very supportive to the point where when I finished my dissertation, he was the one that read it for me for edits, which is incredible. You know, you sort of think, I mean, I said to him, you know, I want to do this and I'm going to have to go two afternoons a week I said I'm going to have to like go part-time or whatever it was and he was like oh don't worry about that just make up the hours you know <laughs> so I was like okay that's brilliant yeah well, it's so nice to have that support it was and I don't think I could have got it through got through it because it was really really tough and anyone that does an MA my husband Marcus later did one an MA in history at Birkbeck and he history and politics and it was so, so tough uh, those couple of years, you know, while you're working. He was teaching as well, so I can't even imagine what it was like. Right? But, yeah, no, having my boss kind of being really supportive of me was great. Um, and then after that, I kind of tried to slowly, slowly get back into that world. So I did an internship. I did lots of kind of voluntary organisation stuff for um, arts festivals and things like that. So I was one of the installation artists for the first secret cinema you know how secret cinema is like a really massive thing now oh wow I didn't know that that's amazing yeah so it was just like a, a couple of days but it was like um we had to create all these sets and stuff for um what film were they showing it was like a skateboard film and so there were skateboarders coming in and we had to create kind of lockers and stuff and it was in this old disused rail shed you know um, and I, I just got involved in lots of things like that, like media arts festivals. And, and I did bits and bobs. And, you know, occasionally, again, I'd have to say, Ian, I'm going going to do this thing. Can I leave a few hours early? And he'd be like, yeah, no worries. You know, so it was just it was it was a nice time. But I still didn't quite know what I was doing. And and then a few years on and Marcus was sort of saying to me, why don't you retrain as a teacher? And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, it's going to have to be practical, you know, uh, becoming an artsy. I don't want to be teaching anything else, really. So then I went back to the Institute of Education at, at UCL and they were amazing. They were like, they're really big on being an artist and a teacher, an artist and an educator. So it was kind of a practical course as well as doing teaching placements. And it kind of really started me off in that kind of creative mode again you know because we had to actually do all these workshops because you know if you're teaching a child how to be creative you can't kind of you can't kind of not be in that yourself you know so we did lots of workshops sometimes testing them out on other students sometimes bringing them into the schools that we were training in and um and then we had a final show and for the final show I decided that I wanted to make a film. When I did my MA, I was really interested in the in video art, video artists generally, because and my, my dissertation was very, it was about the link between artists, filmmakers, and the canon, you know, of mainstream cinema. And I'd always been my sister as well, you know, the two of us have always been quite obsessed with film, you know, and I think it kind of comes from my dad, because he low-key kind of was into everything you know if there was a film on he was like there and they used to go that was one of the things that in southern Italy in Sicily um they had one of the highest um see now I can't remember my dissertation because I was sort of I wrote this in my dissertation I can't remember it's like they had 
highest per capita of people going to see films after the Second World War. I think it was something to do with them having had such a grim time under Mussolini and, you know, coming out of the war and everything. And, uh, you know, it was like one of the few entertainments that people could afford. So, like, they flocked to the cinemas, you know, and, you know, outdoor cinemas as well, you know, like Cinema Paradiso and all that. Um, so maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. But my dad's very much obsessed with that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I, I wrote my dissertation on that the links between both and then I thought well why don't I put my money where my mouth is and 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 actually although I'd always painted and and done drawing drawing is like the main the first thing but and I still do that uh, occasionally but it always starts with that like ideas sometimes with like drawing little sketches and um but yeah I decided to make a film and I being a fat woman it was always going to be about body image because it was one of the main things you know it's one of the main things in my life I suppose is trying to fight against that kind of the imagery of, of um, the stigma you know the fat phobia and stuff like that so I, I wanted to make a film about body image and I did that by interviewing people who agreed to you know I just put a call out on Facebook and people sort of and friends of mine said, yeah, I'd be really interested in doing that. So it was kind of, it's very like this, actually, in interview format. And uh, it feels weird to be on the other side. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? I'm, I'm the one <laughs> You're used to be. Yeah, so I made that film and it turned out a lot better than I expected it to turn out. And it really gave me the bug. And I exhibited it in the, in you know, at the show. And since then, I've put it in a few film festivals. Uh, the only one, it got a, a commendation, a couple, and then it did get into Body Positive Film Festival in the States, which was great. I was really uh, pleased about that. But I'm, oh, I'm still thinking... Sorry, I, well, I was just going to ask what it's called. It's the, the first film's called Making Bodies. And is it available for people to watch if they wanted if I... Yeah, actually, yeah. I could probably send you a link. I've, it's on YouTube, but I haven't promoted it uh, because... I don't know why, actually. I think because I've been putting it forward for festivals, so I haven't kind of made put it out there. Mm. But um, Yeah, because you have to wait for them to be yeah. accepted or whatever, don't you, yeah. before? So they can be And at premiered. the moment, it isn't in any festivals, so mm. I suppose I could provide you with the links so you can have a look. But, okay. Um, so, and I love the idea about your teaching course being very practical mm. and hands-on. Um, did you at any point think, oh, actually, this is this is what I should do instead of teaching? Or did you, we, was you just happy that there was that element to the... Because I remember I actually did a training day once for drama therapy. Mm. Uh, well, I tried drama therapy and art therapy. And I came away from the day going, oh, I think I I love the idea, but I want to be an artist rather than... Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Like, did you have that sense when you were going into teaching? Partly, or did you? yeah. I mean, partly I was very aware that I needed to get into a job, you know, because at that time, um, you know, I needed to have, uh, like, my husband was was supporting me that year. Well, I, I took the year out to do the, the, the PPC and um, art training, you know, art teacher training. Um, and I was, like, I was sort of thinking that if I could get a job, I would um, continue with my artwork because it was kind of one would lead into the other unfortunately as a lot of people who think that <laughs> no it's much more difficult than that because being a teacher is so all-encompassing and it takes a lot of your free time contrary to what people say or think you know the holidays and evenings you do spend a lot of time working on stuff to do with school whether it's marking mm. or preparing lessons or you get very little free time to do that actually during and the it's day. emotional energy as well I think isn't it teaching you yeah. know that you're so kind of invested in mm. the job and the kids yeah. there's probably not a huge amount of space left for you in a way yeah exactly and I was sort of thinking to myself I, I don't me and Marcus don't have children and one of the things that struck me was what would you know about my colleagues who did have children I was sort of thinking oh my god they 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 stop 
teaching all these kids during the day and then they go home they've got their own kids to deal with and <laughs> I, I just don't know how they do it because the energy is just up there all the time you know and you in the evening I would be exhausted but then I'd still have to be preparing for the next day and I, I, as an art teacher as well it's quite difficult if you haven't got a technician I didn't have a technician so there's lots of stuff that needs to be done for the next day you know I mean if there's 30 kids coming in and you want to do a clay thing you've got to get all the clay ready and you can't leave it out so you'd have to come in in the morning and, and you know there's lots of these little things that people don't realize there's no room in between there's no space in between each class to prepare you know you're just rushing around the whole time so basically, you know, I was teaching uh, for three, four years um, and that was slap bang in the middle of COVID as well. So that was quite difficult. Um, and in the middle of that, we decided that we wanted to move to the coast. So I got a teaching job in Margate and we moved down. And then um, I resigned when was it? last year. So I haven't been teaching for about a year. Um, uh, a multitude of reasons. Um, uh, some to do with the school, which I won't go into, but uh, some to do with my mental health as well. I was just, I'd got to the point where I was just, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I don't know whether it was COVID as well, but something snapped and I was just like, no, I can't do this anymore. So... I don't know how you did the teaching online thing with art as well. That must have been it was so, so difficult. It was so frustrating. And, um, you know, the kids would not show you their work or they wouldn't, you know, it was just really difficult to keep a hold of what was going on. Yeah, then after that, uh, there was a possibility of another job, but that fell through. And, you know, I spent quite a few months being really very depressed. You know, I didn't really know what to do. And then I saw on my local forums, there's lots of sort of creative forums and stuff, somebody who was looking for women, menopausal women to talk to and photograph for this exhibition. And I met up with Katrin, who had done all these photographs. And she was taking photographs of me and we got, got chatting, we got on really well. And I just like kind of gulped and said to her, um... I'd really like to make a video to go in your exhibition. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, I'd love that. You know, she immediately was kind of really enthusiastic. So I was like, yes. So what I didn't realise, though, was that Katrin had already got funding, Arts Council funding, and had organised like a tour around the country for her exhibition. So I really was kind of like pinning myself to this amazing like show that was going around the country and we're in the middle of that now so it's it's just you know uh, I was saying to Catherine the other day like we've only known each other for about six months she's like I can't believe that because <laughs> we've been working together and like it's been quite intense and we've been going around the country although she does she's got um somebody Hannah who hangs all the exhibitions who's amazing and um so she, mainly they kind of hang the exhibitions and then I go in and kind of do technical stuff to do with my film but it's the and the nice thing about it has been that um it's been different in each place so some places it's been almost like a little installation with a little settee and kind of I know you've probably seen pictures of it with kind of blankets and cushions and like a little tv like you're going around your nan's house you know and then um some places it's been kind of projected or on a big screen and at the Arnolfini in Bristol it was in their main theatre so it was so I've now seen my film like exhibited in a sort of proper cinematic kind of environment so that was kind oh, of wow. amazing and so yeah it must have a different impact depending on the venue does it do you feel like you get different responses as well I suppose that the responses are different wherever you go but yeah yeah does the venue impact the the feel of the show um, I'm not sure. I mean, stuff that people have said is that it's kind of like that it's like moving and impactful, but also that you feel like you get to, somebody said to me just the other day, you feel like you get to know each character and that you've made a bunch of friends by the time you you finish watching it. You know, the second film, which was the one about menopause, is called 
making the change because I wanted to kind of take the piss of that whole the change thing, you know. And I want to have it in a series of films as well because it, you know, the one about body image, the one about menopause, you know. So it's making and making, you know. So that I can show them as a series if I need to at some point. But yeah, people have been, they've, they've sort of said it's quite intimate and quite moving, you know. And it was funny actually going into the Bristol one where there's like all these seats and I was kind of walking in and I could see people's reactions like as the film was going on and it was just really cool. Like I'm getting shivers thinking about it. <laughs> it was so cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So how does that feel as a, the timing of it is just so brilliant, isn't it? That you were yeah ready and looking for some a project and like how does that feel to kind of go oh yeah six months ago I was there yeah and now it feels surreal actually and I'd be lying if I said that you know I'm still not having these sort of mental health problems and and um I'm currently I'm looking for a part-time job and that's quite difficult um that's a bit of a struggle but having said that it's like every time I'm reminded of that you know, six months ago, what I was doing. And if that hadn't happened, you know, what would have happened? You know, would I have just gone straight into another job and kind of not explored any of this? But yeah, no, it's it's amazing from that point of view. And, you know, thinking about all the hundreds of people that have seen my work is incredible. And I even if it, it sounds like such a cliche, but even if one of those people sort of thought, do you know what, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to see about HRT because this isn't right, then that's worth it, you know, because it's kind of given someone the courage to, to do that. But yeah, no, being a creative person after having years of structured work is quite difficult. So the creative twist idea of this podcast is really intriguing to me because I'd love to know how other people manage that because I find it quite difficult you know the kind of getting up and having the impetus to actually do it you know if I haven't got the deadline of an actual show where I'm sort of editing all day and all night to get it done then I find it difficult to kind of get up and and kind of have a routine of like right I'm going to do creative stuff this afternoon because there's always something else to do you know like yeah life takes life is so busy isn't it and you can yeah. put that as there's still an element of oh it's a luxury to be allowed to exactly. do my own creative work yeah and yeah giving yourself that permission to be yeah a f creative is is quite a big thing isn't it yeah yeah that's an interesting question to pose for other people I guess yeah I I've just done an interview with someone who's very good on that so maybe that's one to mm. listen listen to but um yeah I feel the same and actually having a project I've find is really helpful because otherwise like you say life just takes over and mm. you've gone a week or two weeks without doing anything mm. creative yourself have you got anything coming up that you're going to work on well we've got uh, we've got exciting plans for the future I mean we we try to have regular meetings so we had a meeting this week and we're still sort of sorting out the show we're still going to the next one is Fabersham then after that it's Whitstable um yeah I think that's it and then we're trying to get something sorted for Cardiff but we've been I mean we're coming you know towards the end we've we've done London Ramsgate um we were at Brighton Fringe and we were nominated for an award um at Brighton Fringe which was great um oh we've still got Rochdale as well that's a really nice gallery um so we're sort of slap bang in the middle of it, I suppose, rather than towards the end of it. But I've um, got a little bit of editing to do on something that's bugging me. Because that's the other thing is that even if you're stuck in a show, you still each with each show, it kind of develops. You kind of get to the, you kind of go and see it in situ and you think, OK, I've got to fix that. <laughs> so there's always more work, you know, on the stuff. Um, we're going to do an arts council application and I within that um, and it's not just going to be me and Catherine this time I think there's going to be another couple of artists working with us and it's all female artists one of the things I think might be interesting is about um, 
surgery or tweakments, you know, treatments that that women of our age kind of have pressure to do, you know, and it's like I've been talking to lots of friends about it recently. Um, not because I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm sort of silly about it and kind of, not silly, what's the word, critical about it. Because I have the same thoughts myself. I'd love to get certain things done. I mean, I, I don't have the money, so <laughs> it's neither here nor there, you know. But I do know people who have had stuff done, um, whether it's Botox or kind of other things, I'm not sure. But people have certainly told me that they've had, like, fillers and, and Botox and stuff like that. It's becoming so normal. And a friend of mine was telling me about a kind of high-powered TV exec who who is really, feels really under pressure to keep young, won't let her hair go grey, has regular Botox and fillers and stuff, because she feels like she has to keep looking young for her environment, for, for who she works for. So, And there's so much about, um, you know, not seeing yeah. as many older women around as well, isn't there? Yeah. You know, in social media, you're constantly seeing filters and yeah. the glamorisation of being young I so often go to do a selfie and think oh no I look really old today <laughs> I don't want it I just can't yeah exactly I just can't you know part of me is like it. yeah and that's how we should, <laughs> how it then, should be isn't it yeah no I know but then on the other hand I was as I was telling a friend the other day I was sort of we were talking about this whole thing and I was saying to her you know I like I'm fighting against diet culture and fat phobia and all that kind of thing and then um, you know, when my face starts to go, <laughs> I'm just like, no, not the face. Because <laughs> I've always thought, oh, well, my face is okay. I don't mind being fatter. You know, I know that seems silly, but um, because, you know, I do love myself. I do love my body. But I have those moments when, you know, you look in the mirror. And then when you start to look older as well, it's another thing to have to deal with, you know. But, um, yeah, no, I find it all fascinating. Um and I'd love to know how much people spend as well. You know, I mean, it must be, it's the kind of thing that's like, there must be all these women who kind of keep it all on the down low, who spend thousands on this stuff to keep themselves in the game, you know. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, I don't know whether I find it shocking or kind of inevitable. And so would you, are you thinking of making a, documentary kind of format or an interview based um film yeah I think an interview based thing I think I'd like to continue with that mm. for the time being I have other ideas for different kinds of video art that I'd like to make and um even sort of performance based things that Catherine and I are going to experiment with this summer that's great that you've found Catherine and you've got such a good connection isn't it because that's another thing I think can be really helpful in creative yeah. work is having often you can be on your own and just sort of wondering is this a good idea is that not a good you know and actually to have <laughs> a sort of almost like creative yeah. partner is um a real gift I think it really is and um oh she's brilliant for that for bouncing ideas off and we're always having all these like we have to kind of keep ourselves focused because otherwise we're just like we're thinking very much about the next project now where we've still got to finish this lot of shows and also I don't know what I do without Marcus as well because my husband Marcus is a is a filmmaker and teacher and he you know um a lot of the technical side of things I'm learning all the time and he's helping me so that's incredible you know the fact that I've got him to to rely on as well so I've got a good support network around me from, from an artistic point of view and from a family I was just going to say, talking about know. family, yeah. yes, your yeah. amazing sister, Conchetta, gave mm. me um, the best book the other uh, for my last birthday, which was um, Kay Tempest's mm. on, um, it's just amazing, yeah, Kay, uh, On Connection, and it's such mm. a beautiful book. Um, one of the quotes that really stood out for me was, um, craft is the hard work, connection is the reward. And I just, mm. I love that. We talked about how, you know, you can spend months on your own working on things and then mm. the kind of the reward comes when you share it and people respond and I guess you must mm. have seen that with your with your show yeah 
and um, because Catherine comes from a more theatrical background, she's actually she's actually a circus trained aerialist, like um, a rope. You know, the people that can climb up the rope and and do all the sort of tricks and everything with the fabric. Although she doesn't do that anymore, but she's also a stilt walker. <laughs> Amazing, wow. but um, she was one of the you know in the twenty twelve Olympic ceremony. Yeah. You know when those Mary Poppins fell down from the sky. Oh wow! She was one of the Mary Poppins. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> I still look back to that. I know the creativity. That was just an just incredible, incredible show, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, so because she's from a sort of more theatrical background, she um, she always organises performances like with our private views, and it's just I've like having been to private views that were just people you know self self-congratulatory kind of you know wine and then oh isn't it lovely you know now we've got these mad poets kind of uh and uh, performers and drag kings and all these kind of amazing things going on doing our private views and um it's been really amazing because it's like it's that connection isn't it between different forms of creativity different forms of art and it's kind of it's the link between performance and um, sort of film and photography and all that kind of thing has really kind of come alive. And I've loved it. I've loved every minute of it. It's just been a real tonic, real eye-opener, you know, and made me think about other things I could do as well because um, Catherine does lots of... She's a writer as well, so she does lots of writing workshops and and... At one of these writing workshops, I wrote some poems and I didn't really think much of them. But then afterwards, I was reading them and I even read one to Conchetta and she was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and to get that from Conch is like, ama- I mean, I know I'm her sister, but she's an incredible writer. So for her to actually say that was like really, oh, wow. She I know. Them, I, so we shouldn't beautiful. we shouldn't talk about her when she's not here, but um, I, can't, I really want to read some of her writing. I'm sure she's got some amazing work tucked up her sleeve, so... Conch, when you hear this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show, show us your yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> yeah. So for her to to actually say that was great. So it has it's opened my mind and, and made those connections. It's so true between you know all these different people. And I've also through it. I've also I've been down here for about four years, but it's been quite tough because of COVID. So I was just getting to the point where I was making connections and making friends and and stuff and then we all had to kind of like stay home for two years almost you know but now because of this project it's like I know a whole load of people and there's so much creativity going on down here it's incredible I mean it's like it's the cliche you know like the arty Margate or Ramsgate by the sea but it's true you know there's so much going on and it doesn't it doesn't feel as exclusive as it does in London. You know, you can get in there. You can, I mean, well, look what happened to me, you know, within a, a, a meeting of getting involved with some, with being photographed for an exhibition, I'm suddenly like creating something for the show, you know. So it's, you know, there are openings down here that maybe in London would be more difficult. So that's been great. Going back to your, to family, because I, yeah. I get the impression, like you said, you mentioned about your dad being really into film and, your mum is or or was a dressmaker isn't she so there's obviously a lot of and your dad's um, a chef by trade so I guess there was a lot of creativity in in your childhood was there were you always making things um so from the point of view of my mum and dad yeah they're really creative people they would never say this about themselves because they're they're very sort of working class southern Italian you know just get on with it and just they're real grafters my mum and dad you know and everything I'm so grateful for everything they did for us you know what's that line from Hamilton immigrants they get the job done (laughs) they really are like you know old school in that way sometimes they look at what me and Concha are doing and go what why are you doing (laughs) what do you mean you're not getting paid (laughs) they're kind of very practical people but having said that they're both very bright and they're both very creative. And my dad still, you know, he's retired and he hasn't been well of late, but he's, he's getting better. 
bless him though, he's going to be 80 this year, so fair enough. But he still loves cooking, he's still really creative, still very interested in food and flavours and, you know, um, he does these mad mashups every now and again that my mum is like, turns her nose up at like curry pasta, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, he's just like, but he makes, still makes the most amazing food and gets, totally gets off on it. Um my mum can still do amazing things with the sewing machine and and, and it, in a way it's made me really lazy when it comes to sewing because I could I do know a little bit myself but I always give her my stuff to fix but she's you know I, I remember from when I was don't do you remember those ESB exam ESB exams it was like a written like a spoken word exam or something I can't no, remember I what it's called this. But, but I remember you had to like do a project and it could be anything that you like, mm. and then you had to talk about it. Like, and that was your thing, you know, you had to kind of give this talk. And what I did was I designed a dress, and my mum made it. And then my friend Michelle, who I've recently got back in touch with, interestingly, she modelled it on the cat, and there was like a catwalk and everything. And, you know, so from early days, I was really interested in fashion and sewing and all that kind of stuff. And I was actually going to go to be a fashion designer at first, but then I decided to go a more academic route and ended up doing fine art. But yeah, so there was, I was always encouraged to do that kind of thing. And obviously with my dad, you know, the cooking side, we were taught how to do it. And at the time I hated, hated it because he used to order us around and he'd be like, yes, chef. But, um, but now it's like, I'm really grateful for that, you know, because I, even though, um, Marcus is the cook here you know he does all the cooking he loves cooking he says I've got a very refined palate so there we go yeah but yeah my dad was always into into films and he'd always be like is there a film on let's watch it you know kind of thing and he I know that when Conchetta was doing a project she's she's got an MA in film studies and she was doing a project about uh, I can't remember whether it was something to do with vehicles in Italian cinema or or in cinema generally and sat dad down in front of all these clips that she had and he was able to identify every car and make and it was like it's like wow, all these little bits of yeah. knowledge that come out you know and it's uh, another nice story about my dad is some like it hot so for years when someone dies in a film dad has always said bye-bye Charlie like that and we've never <laughs> known where it came from and then one day we're watching some like it hot and the guy's about to shoot all these people I don't know if you remember the scene it's like it's the reason I think that Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon have to leave because they witness some awful thing some awful gangster thing anyway so before he shoots all these guys he says bye-bye Charlie <laughs> and then he shoots them and it just goes to show that how into yeah. film my dad was that even these Tiny little sayings that are in details. our family are all kind of yeah <laughs> that's so funny I know and it's like he said it the whole of bye bye Charlie and we're like why did he say that <laughs> you're like oh now we get it that's <laughs> yeah, so funny exactly. yeah. but yeah no they're great and and Conchetta as well is just like she's um you know her mind is incredible mm. so so between the two of us, like feeding off on each other, you know, she's based, she helped me as well a lot with my writing. And like when I was doing my dissertation and stuff like that, she was, you know, she's amazing. I always say that she taught me how to write. So, yeah. So as a family, you know, we've really supported each other. We've got, um, they've got skills. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What a collective, family collective. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I even interviewed my mum actually. Oh, did you? What did you think yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah, she was a bit like, I'm like, mum, you're doing it. And she was like, oh, I don't know, you know. And then in the end, she went round to Conch's and she did it there, like, because it, it was, I had to do the second film over Zoom because of COVID and everything. And because things weren't really quite open yet. But yeah, she did it and she's actually in the film. And it's really, really lovely that that she's in the film. I was like, I was really touched that she did it. And in the end, because my mum did it, we also got Catherine's mum in it as well. So the two mums are in it. <laughs> oh, I love that. So have they seen it? Have they been to the shows? Yeah, yeah they've, both, they've both seen it. Because I basically, uh, I sent it round. Well, I showed my mum, but I sent it round to everyone before just to say, is this okay? Mm. You know, 
and everyone was like fine you know and then sharing those stories can like you say they can have a big impact for other people can't they because seeing that you can feel less alone and like you say maybe go and get some help one thing I was thinking actually about was Mm. creativity in schools I know like from my kids point of view it can Mm. feel like there's quite a lot of a lot of it's been sucked out in a way hasn't it the creative Mm. how do you how was that for you as a teacher um it's it can be quite difficult depending on the school that you're in um the GCSE curriculum and the curriculum for um you know younger kids it it can you can sort of make you can put little um things in there that that are a bit different that you know I mean it's obvious that drawing I mean and I I strongly believe this as well drawing is at the heart of everything but you can't just do drawing you know and and I quite often like to bring in conceptual work and video and kind of surprise the kids with what is art you know and sometimes you get terrible reactions like oh you know my little sister could have done that and stuff like that but what's interesting is when you take them through the process and then suddenly it clicks you know that it's not all about I remember telling some kids about cubism and then you know that's run of the mill Picasso or whatever um and you sort of say when it started to happen and what was happening at the same time and then it suddenly clicks that actually that's when photography was starting to be a big thing and suddenly people didn't need realism in quite the same way so you know they do get it they do get that there's lots of different types of creativity and lots of different things that you can do and one of the things that one of the lessons that I like to do to kind of so that they got that and something that they could do fairly young was to have like a still life in the room and then put some music on and kind of literally sort of almost like play musical chairs so they'd have to change chairs every time I stop the music so that and then draw on top of the other drawing so then by the end of it they ended up with something that was quite cubist looking you know I love that idea so so we'd start to kind of get into different perspectives or how those artists did that and then you know, or like Mondrian, you know, where he, he ended up with coloured blocks, but actually what he started with quite often was a tree, you know. So you, you start to sort of teach them that there are connections to realism if you want, and then sometimes there aren't. So it can be about expressionism. So, you know, doing someone like Franz Klein, who's just like black and white stripes all across the, you know. And so there are, you can actually fit that in into the curriculum. But I think... A lot of art teachers are under pressure to do what, I mean, let's face it, teaching these days is not just about you and your classroom or teaching kids about your subject. It's very much, you know, what what are you under pressure to do from the leadership team or even the governors, you know, it's like if you're not producing kind of good work, you know, like for instance, one of the things that I, I always get surprised about is people criticizing things like anime and stuff like that because a lot of the kids that I taught were really into anime and drawing anime style style stuff and I know that some art teachers are like I don't want any of that in my classroom and it's like what it's like them being creative Mm. you know and uh in the end I started teaching classes on how to create anime characters like we do normal portraits and then anime portraits you know to kind of compare contrast and compare you know I think it's great to find a way in isn't it because you know yeah. uh, my daughter for example she loves the program Heartstopper and she hadn't really been oh I it's love that. so beautiful yeah. isn't it and she um it's amazing she hadn't really been reading for ages and she got back into it because she read all the graphic novels that go with Heartstopper and then suddenly she's back into you know mm. reading again and I just think any way that engages them and mm. yeah sparks connection is is to be sort of celebrated really absolutely you know um and I was really chuffed that uh a couple of my kids I mean I taught photography as well a couple of the photographers have gone on to study photography and are doing really really well and they're like working with the local papers and doing like gigs every now and again and making a bit of money and I was just like this is amazing, you know, and 
I like, I hope, I hope that I encourage them and kind of push them into that. It's also about, um, I don't know what it's like for your kids. It depends on, you know, let's face it, it depends on where the kids come from, whether they're working class kids who don't see an opening for them in creative fields, you know. Uh, it's about talking to them about what's achievable. And they think that an artist is like either, like if they're not Damien Hurst and raking money in, you know, and sort of telling them, no, you know, you can do this, this, this and this. And, you know, as a graphic designer, for instance, I always used to say to them, you can make quite a lot of money, you know, and they were like, oh, wow. Okay, they don't know about this stuff because it's not in their realm, you know. So it's about that as much as creativity, I think. It's about making it so that, okay, if you enjoy this, then you can take it forward, you know. And even if you want to do it in a wacky way, you know, you can you can do that. Because let's face it, kids are really, until, you know, we, we kind of try and um, squash that, like you're saying, squash it, that kind of independence of thought and that kind of creative thinking sometimes in school. And I don't think that's ideal. I think we should be really encouraging that side of them, that kind of otherworldly thinking, you know, the kind of, more open lateral thinking that that kids naturally have yeah and there's so much creativity in things like social media you know the way that yeah kids are using tiktok and all that sort of stuff there's so many skills and things that we didn't when we were growing up you know didn't even exist you think about they're making films like that they're just making and editing and kind of you know i mean it's incredible it does make you think what we would have been like if we had that oh you know when we were kids i dread to think what <laughs> i'm kind of glad yes, we didn't okay. <laughs> but yeah um it's our, our time is nearly up tindara really oh no yeah, i could carry on all day actually but um i know it's fun yeah, what i was thinking while you were talking about various artists who who are the artists that really inspire you okay so probably the first one is a bit of a cliche but i've loved her since i was like a teenager and that is Frida Kahlo um not just because of her art actually but because of her spirit and her you know she was kind of naughty and feisty and she lived the way she wanted to live and as a kind of teen that was kind of that grew up in quite a traditional sort of southern Italian family that was inspiring to me um the artists that I really love I mean I love a lot of the sort of young you know the YBAs I think although you know they're annoying in lots of ways <laughs> they're actually the, the art they make I mean I've just been to see a Tracy Tracy I mean lives here you know and I've seen her around and you know I'm trying to get in there with her I've met her before she came to see this show that we did with our students when the Turner Prize was here and she was actually really great and I loved I've loved her recent show because you know she's had cancer and so it's it's about her dealing with mortality and how she's feeling through her through her treatment and all that kind of thing um I love Rachel Whiteweed who is um I'm not consciously picking women artists but thinking about it it is women artists I'm talking about Rachel Whiteweed's one of my favorites um she did the house I don't know if you know that with her she's interested in negative space things that are going on around the objects that we look at around and underneath and that kind of thing she makes plaster cloth and um and then classical artists people like Caravaggio and Leonardo and um there's one particular painting that I know Marcus is just like oh god because every time we go near the National Gallery I have to go and see it it's the Virgin of the Rocks and although I grew up in a fairly religious family, not religious anymore, but there's something about that painting that is so transcendent and beautiful. And um, and it's really annoying because there's always tons of tourists around because <laughs> it's quite a big, um, it's quite a big, important painting, you know. And I always want to say, this is mine, get away. <laughs> but it is one of those ones that makes me just go, this is incredible, mm. you know. And then probably one more, Fiona Tan, who is, I think you, you might really be interested in her. She's a, a filmmaker, artist. Funnily enough, she does lots of stuff with photographs and films. So kind of, 
um, like what me and um, Catchin are doing. And I um, I interviewed her for my dissertation. She's quite an interesting mm. person. And she uses lots of found footage and creates lots of moves and does and sort of sets up scenes like performances as well she's really really interesting artist and one of the first that I looked to when I was talking obviously Steve McQueen but but she was one that really caught my imagination she did this amazing film about this ceremony in Japan that was like an archery ceremony and these women with these beautiful kimonos doing this archery and it's kind of um, I saw it at the Tate one year. It's just the most incredible piece of film that I've ever seen. And it's just ever since I saw it, I was like, oh, I've got to do something like this. You know, oh, I'll have to incredible. look her up. Yeah. I haven't come across her before, yeah. so thank you. Yeah, if I find any of the films, actually, I might send you mm. the link so you can have a look. That would be great. But um, she's, again, she's one of those artists that her stuff is not really online. Mm. And a lot, of, a lot of video art is kind of like that. It's quite difficult to yeah. find. I can sort of understand why, because, you know, they sort of think, come to the gallery, yeah. you know. Yeah, great yeah. and any thoughts for anyone listening who's sort of on the verge of a creative twist or if or questions for other people who've done it so questions are how like what i was saying before how do you organize yourself what's your schedule like how do you not let life take over um and the other thing i would say to anyone thinking of doing it is do it oh yay <laughs> I love you that. won't regret it you won't regret it you'll find a way through yeah. you know even if you've got financial issues or whatever you can find yeah a way through. it's not it's not easy but it's it's not easy but it's worth it I think I would definitely say that yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant thank you so much for um joining me no and... problem this has made me feel really kind of um you know hopeful about the future and much more joyous than than I was earlier this oh, morning. Oh, good. So. Oh, nice to hear that. Um, and I can't wait for your next project. In fact, I still need to come and see the current one. So I'm I'll be keeping an eye on the schedule to see. Yeah, where you are. I'll let you know whether. Yeah. What? Whitstable's probably yeah. the nearest. Oh, I love Whitstable. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe come down for a day and yeah, do that one. Lovely. That's in quite a nice big gallery, actually. So. That should be a nice one yeah, to come and see. Great. Oh, and last thing, um, before we mm. go, where can people find you if they want to get in touch or see Right, where... okay. So I am on Facebook I'm just my name, which is Tindara Sadoti McNary, hyphen McNary. Um on Facebook and Twitter I am something different. I am Olive O L I V E McDoty M C D O T I. Um, I originally started that name because I didn't want my students to find me, <laughs> but it's kind of stayed. So I'm that on Twitter and Instagram, actually the same. Great. Name. Thank you so much. It's been no a problem at all. You. It's been really yeah. fun. It's so nice to just yes. chat anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely to see. You. And let me know if you want to come down to Whitstable yeah. or any of the other places. I will do. Thank you so much. No Thanks for listening to Creative Twist. Show notes and resources can be found on my website, sallyvanderpump.com. Thanks to Rosie Kernahan for the podcast photo, to Vicky Arledge for composing the music, to Jen at Studio 2711 for the artwork, and to Tina Cooney for the branding. I'd love to work with you on a creative project. If you'd like to book me for voiceover or talk about an acting project, please contact me via my website, sallyvanderpump.com. And if you'd like to meditate with me, you can find me on SoundCloud or Insight Timer.